episode 17 of Joe Schmo Theology, the podcast where two dummies talk about smart things. I'm Aaron. And I'm Adam. What's going on? We're the Joe Schmo Bros. Today's episode, we will be talking about attributes of God. This was a listener-suggested topic, so here's the deal. Listener, you suggest topics, we do them gladly because we love our listeners. What do we want in return? Maybe a review, maybe a like. Maybe an episode share. I don't know. Little, uh, little. You scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. Perhaps. <laughs> Personally, I'm fine with the recommendations because I never know what to talk about, and this well, is helpful. I like recommendations, but we need some reviews. That's true. That's, what That's we true. Need. You know, because sometimes people look at this and they're like, I don't know. Who are these Joe Schmuck bros? Right. I already listened to like 35 podcasts. I don't know if I have Nobody time. Listens to 35 podcasts. I listen to 35 podcasts. Uh, name them all. I, you want me to pull them up and go through it? We've done this before. It's grown you. since no, then. No, no. You named like five and half of them were church sermons. Okay, I include those as podcasts. But it's not really podcasts. It's probably close. How's your week? Those. I don't care. How's your week? How's your week? Anyway, all I was going to say is sometimes people want to know whether or not it's worth listening to. And if you know someone who listens to us enjoys it, please tell people so that they also... And if you listen to it and you don't enjoy it... It's okay to say that some people may enjoy it. You don't sure. need to lie. I don't want you to lie. <laughs> Sugarcoat it for us. Okay, but just say, you know, I could see how people would enjoy this. Yeah, that wouldn't be bad. So. Okay, how's your week? Uh, it's been good. I've had, yeah, went right. It's been a while. Mm-hmm. I've had an interesting um, couple of weeks. Just busy, just busy all the time. Um, Hannah and I got to go up to Michigan with her family. And I knew you were going to tell me a Hannah Michigan story. Yeah, like literally. Like every her family pays for everything. Quarterly. It's so great, dude. It really is. <laughs> I know. Uh, but no, we got this, uh, I don't know what you would call it, not an apartment, kind of like a condo. Condo? Yeah. Townhome? Yeah. On a, on a little ski Tent. resort. So we went skiing wow. and, uh, you know, Hannah's a decent skier, but I, I cleaned up on her a little bit. It was it was good. Yeah, I saw you hijack her Facebook status. Oh, yeah, yeah. Don't yeah. leave your phone out. That's funny. But, uh, like you're 10. Congratulations. <laughs> so we had a good time. Did a lot of skiing. Uh, there was a water park there. Um, a lot of time. Wait, there was a water park and you went skiing? It was at a resort. Yeah, there I was. I hope it was indoors. It was. It's uh, frigid. It was a little. <laughs> no, no diving. It was actually a great reprieve because you're cold and then you go inside and it was like 85 degrees and it was great. Yeah, you just described two things that I hate. Yeah, Skiing and swimming. I know. It's because you're a Debbie Downer. You don't like anything. Uh, no. No I like, joy. I like plenty of things. Yeah. Well, that was really fun. And then we come back and I uh, got a cold, which turned into like a respiratory infection type deal, which turned into like an asthmatic flare. Oh, because you went skiing. Actually, no. It's more because of exposure to animals because pet owners are fun. Um, but anyway. <laughs> so, is this Anna's family? No. Uh, Anna, are you, is your family trying to kill Adam? No? Okay. Yeah, so um, <laughs> so I went to went to the hospital on Saturday, and they gave me like every prescription known to man, and it wasn't cheap or fun. So think conference at church. Robert Zacharias and his team was there, and I didn't even get to go to that. I had to stream some of it. It was kind of sad. And uh, getting back, stream it though. Yeah, it, it was good. So. Um, I'm getting back, getting back on my feet. So if I'm coughing all over the place or sniffling or something, just I apologize. It's okay. Not that different from normal, I guess. Anyway, I was gonna say that, <laughs> but uh, fair enough. Yeah. Well, you've had an exciting couple of weeks. What's going on with you? Yeah. So as I was thinking of that today, I was like, what am I gonna talk about? I was like, oh yeah, I've had a kid. This <laughs> <laughs> is the last cast because it's been so long. Yeah. Exactly. But yeah, our, our second son is post uh, partum. Post- <laughs> 
Uterol? I don't know. I don't know what it is. He's, he's hey, keep talking. He's kicking. This is uh, going well. I have to change diapers now. I didn't used to have to do that with him because he. Okay, <laughs> that could be gross. But yeah, no, it's exciting. We've got uh, two little boys now who are uh, out and about. I don't know. I will say. I will tell you this. Okay, so people always talk about listen, pregnancy and and delivery is hard, and you know what it is. But this is what they don't tell you. Okay, they don't tell you that delivery is half the battle. Because there's all kinds of other things that happen, and my wife is a champ. She's incredible. This is what I've been telling her. It's like these Hobie women—they get it. They're tough as nails. It's insane. So what other things are we talking? I don't about? want to talk about it. Oh, okay. <laughs> but but I want you to be prepared for you know if you guys ever have kids, just be prepared that after delivery you got a whole other battle to face. Okay. No, and it's good. It's good. But just remember that this is part of the curse. You know, childbearing being painful. Right, right, right. And, right, and you know, right, Jesus right, has reversed the curse. Right, right, So right. it doesn't... I don't know where I'm going with this. Yeah, keep talking. You'll get there. But, see, I feel a little awkward <laughs> talking about this because we're doing a live cast, sort of, with our ladies sitting next to us. Right, right. So it's it's a little bit awkward for me because I can say things... They're raining us in, man. I can, I can say They're things... They're holding us down. <laughs> ...that I wouldn't normally say, and then Mary will listen to the podcast and she'll, like, smack me. What are you saying this for? <laughs> So, so we gotta be careful. I'm afraid she's gonna yell at me and hit me now because she's in striking distance. <laughs> Walking on eggshells for sure. Yeah, but we have uh, we have two kids now, and it's it's really fun. Um, Desmond is a is a big brother. He's a rough big brother, but he's a loving big brother. Well, we were rough. Okay. I mean, Austin tried to put you back in the hospital after like three weeks. He didn't try. He just requested. Yeah, loudly. But, yeah, yeah. So. <laughs> Anyways, that's that's fun. Life's cool. a lot different. Not really. It's really not not for me. <laughs> yeah, just a little extra diapers to change. Sure. But other than sure. that, yeah, well, it'll get there. I think as he grows and gets older. As he grows, yeah. Yep. Um, so anyway, we're gonna jump into this. I would love to jump in. Would you like this. to go first, or would you like me to? Well, here's what we're doing. All right, so we're talking about the attributes of God. There are a plethora of them, and we will Good be covering word. five. Five, six, maybe? Yeah, five. We've got a little overlap, so it's, it's going to be closer to five. Why do we have overlap? Well, <laughs> because when you used a term, I used a different term that really means the same thing. So, so, so it had nothing to do with the fact that I did all of mine in advance and you picked your topics you afterwards. You came to me and you said you weren't even ready tonight. What are you talking about? Well, yeah, but I picked my topics. Okay, well, all my right, topics... Yeah. So that's why we have five. All right, all right. <laughs> so here's what we're trying to do. Right now, you and I are trying to comprehend the incomprehensible. Correct. Okay? So, that seems impossible. Why is it not impossible? To comprehend the incomprehensible. I don't think you can fully understand everything about God. I'm not not saying fully comprehend. Right, but there... But even little comprehend. But God has revealed himself through his word, through his Mm -hmm. creation, and through his son. So, there... Like obviously, there there are things that we can know about God because He has revealed them to us, and now because He has revealed His Word and given it to us, it's our responsibility to seek those things out. So we're not going to get it perfect, obviously, and in our finite minds and our state, we're we're never going to get there. But we can do our best and uh, expand our knowledge of God. Yeah, no, I love it. That's that's exactly what I was thinking. Um, so when we talk about the attributes of God, generally we divide them into two different categories. Mm. We've got communicable attributes and incommunicable attributes. Can you explain what those two things are? No, no? I cannot. Okay. I can incommunicate okay. those. You can incommunicate. <laughs> okay. 
I don't even know what that means. I, I don't either. Okay. So what it like, is? No. Incommunicable? No. no. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I kind of want to let you guess. So it's fun for me. Hold on. Hold on. I got. No, you're not going to Google it. Yeah. Right? No. 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 Communicable and incommunicable attributes. So the communicable attributes are attributes that God has that we are also capable of possessing. Right. That's so, what I was going to say. So no, you weren't. So think of things like uh, like love. Think of things like grace. Think of things like forgiveness. Think of I, I guess think of the image of God. Sort of. You, you might say. And then your hands are up, so you can say what incommunicable attributes are. Not able to be communicated to others. Right. That is the definition. I nailed that. Okay. All right. Boom. Okay. So, so what would be some incommunicable attributes that God has that we do not? Um, I mean, you can communicate them, but you can't fully grasp things like God's... No, 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 not communicate. You can talk about them. I'm talking about possession, man. Oh, yeah. So, like, eternal existence. Right. Um, like, his harmony in the Trinity. You know, omnipresence. Like, right. Omnipresence. omnipresence. Pretty much almost everything. Right. <laughs> but this is incommunicable. Okay. The definition is not able is. to be communicated to others. Okay. All right. But you were talking about, like, talking about it. <laughs> exactly what that it's said. Okay. All it's right. Okay. This is going to be a great podcast. I like I love it. it. I'm having a great time. Chemistry's there, man. It did. It is. Um, so... Here's what the... Oh, uh, speaking about chemistry. Gosh. Um, sorry, before we get into this, I really we want to share... already into it. I want to share a story. So uh, there was a little bit of romance, you know, going on in your driveway today. Wait. Yeah, you know, we... What? <laughs> <laughs> you know, we pulled up. What do you do to my driveway? <laughs> we, we pulled up. You guys and, aren't married yet, man. And I, I opened the door for Hannah, and she was like, oh, thanks, babe. And I was like, oh, you got this. Uh-huh. And so we went, and we kissed... And a literal spark <laughs> bounced off of our nose. Bright blue. <laughs> there was some serious, like, chemistry going. I don't know. Sparks were flying, man. That's God saying, no! Yeah, it really was. We were like, ah! ah. <laughs> anyway, all right, so carry on. I don't even remember what I was talking about. I don't about. either. I just, I just wanted to get Okay, Westminster there. Confession of Faith. This is how the WCF talks about um, God. So there's a little bit of a long paragraph <coughs> with here as I read it. Okay, so this is uh, chapter two, paragraph one of Westminster Confession of Faith, the true confession. I was going to say, can we do that from there, the LBC? That'd be great. If you prepared for it. I didn't bring it. Yeah, it's Google Baptist. I did Google it. There is but one only living and true God, who is infinite in being and perfection, a most pure spirit, invisible, without body, parts, or passions, immutable, immense, eternal, incomprehensible, almighty, most wise, most holy, most free, most absolute, working all things according to the counsel of his own immutable and most righteous will for his own glory most loving gracious merciful long-suffering abundant in goodness and truth forgiving iniquity transgressions and sin the rewarder of them that diligently seek him and withal most just and terrible in his judgments hating all sin and who will by no means clear the guilty so that's how the westminster confession of faith describes god and i think it's decent it's decent it's decent, <laughs> it's decent. decent. it mentions uh some of the attributes that i think we're going to talk about but um, I, I guess before we even get into that, why why is it good to discuss the attributes of God? Uh, because we need to know who we're worshiping. The whole, I, I mean, all of Christianity is relationship that you know Christ. And if you don't know the God that you're worshiping, then what you end up inevitably doing, and I'm sure this is going to come up several times, but you end up 
uh, inevitably doing is conforming a God to your own image mm-hmm. that's more easy for you to grasp or more approachable or so- something like that where you don't want to talk about the wrath of God. So we talk, we emphasize his love and mercy, something like that where we actually are setting up for ourselves an idol um, because we're not seeing God clearly for who he is. So the better we understand who God is, the better we can worship him and yeah. give thanks. Yeah, it's really good. Um, and the uh, Reformed Presbyterian Church of North America's testimony uh, in regards to this says this. It says, The true God is revealed in Scripture. Any concept of God, however sincerely held, that is contrary to Scripture is false, and in the end, idolatrous. A knowledge of the true God is essential to saving faith. Hmm. So, in, in a sense, it's basically everything that you just said. Yeah, like, it. we need to know God so we can worship God. Um, and we need to know God so that we can know Him in a saving way. Not just about him, but truly know him, know right. his character, and, and know uh, his being. Right. So, that being said, let's go ahead and jump into these uh, attributes. And uh, which one do you want to take first? Um, let's go with divine simplicity. So, this okay. is... The, <laughs> right. I thought that would... That seems like one for the end. But oh, can, you think so? We can do the beginning. It's fine. I, I don't think it is. I feel like it's a good starting point. All right. Convince me. I'm listening. All right. So, divine simplicity. Mm-hmm. Um, you actually introduced me to this. Um most of you guys don't know once upon a time Aaron and I tried this whole podcasting thing before and uh, none of them are published thank god you think this is bad Ugh. it was yeah yeah it was rough it was uh it was you know why it was rough because of Austin we uh, had a third but he made it funny though he made it inappropriate he did but he made it funny though all right keep going simplicity so you brought this up, and you're like, let's talk about God's divine simplicity. God is simple. And I'm like, bro, that is so offensive. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I seriously, I was like, wow, that sounds like a, that sounds like a, uh, an insult. Um, but y- you know what this is. So, mm-hmm. so what, what does it mean when we say that God is simple? Right. So the uh, confession that I just read gets at this when it says that God is uh, spirit without parts and without passions. Yep. So when it says without parts... We can talk about all these attributes that God has, attributes that God is, ours. Yeah, is, yeah. Um, so when we think of God's love, when we think of God's grace, when we think of immutability, when we think of aseity, when we think of all these other things, what we tend to do is we tend to think of them like this. So we tend to think of, of the attributes of God kind of like a pie chart. Yep. So you see 45% is love, 15% is grace, 3% is forgiveness, and we kind of just like make this chi- pie chart. And I really right? would hope so that more than 3% I would, would hope be so forgiveness. Too, right? And, so, and it actually is. <laughs> right, exactly. Right? exactly. So, so when we talk uh, about God's simplicity, we mean God is without parts. So we mean God is everything, all, all his attributes at one. So instead of thinking it as a pie chart split up into little pie slices, think of as as a look at a pie chart it's 100% love yep. 100% grace yep. 100% forgiveness all smushed together so it's, it's really just one thing so yep. God is not part this part that part that he is holy this holy that right holy and completely all of his attributes simultaneously at the same time right not like you and I where we are not simple we are we are parts right exactly you, can, you know you're probably like 15% love 75% anger, good looks oh sorry <laughs> half a percent okay looks all right thanks man i 3% appreciate it sparky nose oh yeah you know it's it's yeah <laughs> it's great let me read this from uh from my dude katie kevin DeYoung. 
I know you like him. I love Kevin Young. So he has, he's Presbyterian. Yeah, he has. That's true. He is. He has a quote that goes: uh, "The simplicity of God not only prevents us from ranking certain attributes higher than others, it allows God to have a distinct and infinite life of His own within Himself. He is not an abstract, absolute idea who happens to have love, wisdom, and holiness, as if." we first conceive of a being called God and then relate qualities to him. Rather, God in his very essence, within himself and by himself, is love, wisdom, and holiness. God is whatever he has. He is not a composition of his attributes, some in greater and some in lesser amounts. God is a simple being without parts or pieces. His attributes do not stick to him. He is what they are. So, I thought there was something really important um, to touch on here, and that was that very first sentence. The simplicity of God not only prevents us from ranking certain attributes higher than others, Mm -hmm. it allows God to have a distinct, infinite life of his own within himself. And um, I thought that was important because this is what I see in culture all the time, and even I'm guilty of it sometimes. What we're exposed to, what we're taught, what we listen to on the radio, what's positive and encouraging, you know, (laughs) whatever. You know, we, 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 we just we emphasize all these certain things at the expense of other attributes Mm -hmm. of God. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's really dangerous. I mean, it's great. I mean, I, I wish that people would focus on the love and mercy of God as much as they do and more so, but not at the expense of the holiness of God, Mm -hmm. right? Not at the expense of, well, God loves me so much, so it doesn't really matter what I do. Like, we've heard this answer doing evangelism and stuff a million times. Like, yeah, but God's going to forgive me because he's loving, you know, because we've, we've sacrificed his holiness. Um, and so this is what this is talking about. If we, if we allow God to be divided uh, in our minds, then we end up seeing an idol. We end up seeing a God that we construct in our own image, that we can relate to better, that we can, mm-hmm. um, you know, continue to live our lives in a selfish and idolatrous way. Uh, so I think that's the big that's the big application there. Did you have something you're trying to? No, no, no. I'm just I'm just listening to you. Okay, so yeah. So that's that's the application that I have for this. Um, again, I think all of these go back to helping us worship God for who He is, um, and r- rather than setting up idols in our own image. Mm-hmm. So just before we move on, what would you say that Reformed people tend to focus on? one attribute over over at the expense of another mm. because we're, we're reformed so it's easy to pick on other people like yeah. look at you caleb listen to people yeah no god's God loves, sovereignty like, i think yeah. is 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 huge and it really is a very important doctrine but then we also i think at the expense of man's responsibility you know at times um we don't think about that portion because we're just like oh well god is in control of everything he has his elect he's called he's chosen so we're good mm. you know kind of thing um so yeah, I, I guess that would be the first thing that comes to mind. But sure, you, I mean that's, about, that's kind of what I was thinking. Okay, as well. I don't know if you had something else. Yeah, no, I mean we're reform. We love God's sovereignty, right? Um, we can talk about other things too. So okay, you wrapped up with that one. Yep. Move on. So the next one, you and I kind of did similar prep for. Um, I'll admit it's my fault because I overlooked. You, you oh, sent me the text of you. what you wanted to look oh, at. I'm just teasing you. I went by a different name. So we're going to be talking about God's self-existence or His aseity. So this is how uh, Louis Burkhoff, or Louis Burkhoff, says in his uh, Sistheo. This is what he says. God is self-existent. That is, he has the grounds of his existence in himself. Oh. <laughs> this is so profound. But it's true. So just the simplicity of God is is absolutely true, but it's, kind, it's a little bit harder to get proof text for. Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, they're there. 
but you kind of have to deduce them from well, yeah. the, the totality they're of imp- all They're implicit in Scripture. They're not explicit. Right. So you're never going to find a passage that says, I am God and I am not a composition of parts. You know, that's, <laughs> that's not there, but you do see it implicit throughout Scripture. So Right. So when we're talking about God's self-sufficiency or his aseity, um, that, that would be an incommunicable attribute, right? Just like the simplicity of God is incommunicable. It's not something that you and I can possess. Right. So um, when we mean that God is not sufficient or that he is self-sufficient, what do we mean by that? When, he's, when we say that he is self-sufficient? When we say that God is self-sufficient. He's without need. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's a simple definition. Where, where would we go to for scripture when we talk about God's self-sufficiency? Um, a couple different places that I have down here. I have Colossians 1, um, 15 through 17, which doesn't necessarily talk about God's not needing anything, but it talks about his supremacy over everything and his creation of everything. Um, you know, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. By him, all things were created in heaven and earth, visible and invisible, thrones, dominions, rulers, authorities, all things were created through him, for him, and before all things, and in him he holds all things together. Um, one of the, one of the, actually two of the other passages are Psalm 50, which I'll just paraphrase, which is um, God speaking and saying, you know, it's not for your sacrifices that I rebuke you, but you know, do I do I eat the flesh of bulls or drink the the blood of goats? Like you, your offerings are always right. before me, but I don't need them. Every every cattle on a thousand hills is mine. I own everything. Instead, offer up thanksgiving to the Lord. You know, um, so he talks about his owning everything that he doesn't need them. And then Acts seventeen was a big one as well. Um, it says uh, this is Paul when he's talking about uh, when he. Um, is sharing the gospel. He had been walking around the city and looking at the gods that the people worshipped. And it's like, hey, I see this unknown God. Um, and he says, this I proclaim to you, the God who made the world and everything in it, being the Lord of heaven and earth, um, does not live in temples made by man, nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. Uh, and it goes on from then. So mm-hmm. those are the three places that I see. Yeah, yeah so we've got... When we talk about a seity, we've got everything that you just said is, is self-sufficiency. We've also got his self-existence, right? So I think Genesis 1-1 is always a good place to go. Mm. Um, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And so that that's brought up just because before there was time, there was God. Yep. Before there was matter, there was God, right? And so John 5-26 says, For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son also to have life in himself. So again, that's just talking about his self-existence, his self-sufficiency. Psalm 91-2 says, Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever you had formed the earth and the world, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. Again, getting at the idea of self-existence and self-sufficiency, and even getting into the, the concept of creation as well. Yep. Uh, and then Genesis 21, <clears throat> Abraham planted a tamarisk tree in Beersheba and called there on the name of the Lord, the everlasting God. So we've got all, all these just things about saying that God is everlasting. He's, he's eternally existent, right? So there is, God does not have a creator who created him. I mean, by definition, that would make him not God. Right. It, that would make him creature, mm-hmm. right? So God is holy and totally creator, and he is, he does not have a creator in himself. So he's self-existent, self-sufficient. Um, and then I, I, I guess really why this matters is, and you, you read this, Acts 17, I'm just going to read it again. It says, uh, Acts 17, 24 through 25, 
The God who made the world and everything in it, being Lord in heaven of earth, does not live in temples made by hands, nor is he served by human hands, as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. So there's a couple of things that are going on here, and, and one huge reason why the, the idea of self-existence and self-sufficiency of God is important is because I don't I don't really hear it so much anymore. I don't think it's very popular now, but back in the 90s, there was this train of thought going around, like God created mankind because he was lonely yeah because he needed people right and that first of all it slaps in the face of trinitarianism sure and it slaps in the face of god is love right right so god didn't need us right god created us for his own glory but furthermore the idea of god's self-existence and self-sufficiency should give us comfort knowing that it's only because of god that we even have life absolutely that we, we even have anything mm. and that really should draw us um put us on our knees really and worship and adoration and praise right right so like you said again when we talk about the these attributes of god what they really are motivating us to do is just worship the lord more informed right right yeah well and i think that this this really humbles us too because um, you look at like ancient egypt and the gods they worshiped the whole the whole um process was we are trying to please and take care of the needs of our gods so that they scratch mm-hmm. our back and take care of us, right? So we offer up these sacrifices. They make it rain. We have crops. We can offer up more sacrifices, you know, those types of things because the gods needed it, right? So to appease their anger, um, they would do these certain things. Um, and that's not the God that we that we see in the Bible. And I think that when we have a view of God that is such that he is needy or he needs something from us, you know, or he needs us to accomplish his plans, that rather than humbling us, exalts us, mm-hmm. um, puts us in, a, in the place of God, and is like, okay, God, I'm going to take care of you now. Mm-hmm. Um, I just want to read this quick passage from, um, from Knowledge of the Holy by A.W. Tozer. It says, the picture of a nervous, um, uh, where is it, hold on, um, a nervous, agitated God fawning over men to win their favor is not a pleasant one. Yet, if we look at the popular concept of God, that is precisely what we see. 20th century Christianity has put God on charity. So lofty is our opinion of ourselves that we find it quite easy, not to say enjoyable, to believe that we are necessary to God. But the truth is that God is not greater for our being, nor would he be less if we did not exist. If we do exist is, or that we do exist is altogether of God's free determination, not by our uh, desert nor our divine necessity. Probably the hardest thought of all of our natural egotism to entertain is that God does not need our help, right? So that's Boom. that's humbling. That's mm-hmm. humbling. And again, what this does is um, we are establishing a God that is easy for us to you know get behind. It right. makes us feel good. So I have God as a moralistic type of thing, and I'm going to stop talking. But this is what we do, and you see it in modalism, right? Mm-hmm. I don't understand the Trinity, so what am I going to do? Like, oh, I'm going to come up with a form of the Trinity that I can't understand. Or like, I don't understand how God eternally existed, that he's self-sufficient, doesn't need anything from us. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to put myself on a pedestal and I'm going to take care of God and now he's going to, you know, bless me back because I'm helping him. Right. So I don't know. No, I think it's good. Yeah. That's good. That's good thoughts. You're on a roll. So why don't you take the next one? Next one. Okay. Uh, I had uh, God's faithfulness uh, for the last one. So define faithfulness for me faithfulness nailed it (laughs) no so i have i have a couple different definitions um steadfast in affection or allegiance um firm in adherence to promise or an observation of duty 
given with strong assurance. So it's binding. Mm-hmm. That to me sounds a lot like covenants, right? I love it. <laughs> yeah, definitely like covenants. Yeah. Um, this was this was one of the more encouraging um, ones as you know you sit down and you just start like looking up God's faithfulness and you're just reading passages and quotes and stuff and I would encourage people to do that because it's fun uh, but here's a couple things a couple passages I saw so Deuteronomy 7 9 know therefore that the Lord your God is God the faithful God who keeps his covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments to a thousand generations. Um, and then one that I thought was um, really encouraging was Romans 3, uh, 2 through 4. It says, To begin with, the Jews were entrusted with the oracles of God. What if some were unfaithful? Does their, unfaithful, or, yeah, does their faithfulness nullify the faithful, or faithlessness nullify the faithfulness of God? By no means. Let God be true, um, though everyone were a liar. Right, so there's a whole there's a whole theology that Paul's unpacking there. We don't need to get into it, but the very fact that God's people were being faithless, and yet it did not nullify God's faithfulness to them. Second um, Timothy says, "If we are faithless, He remains faithful, for He cannot deny Himself." Right, so that goes back to the simplicity that God is mm-hmm. faithfulness. Mm-hmm. Um, so, what are some what are some of the things you think about when you think about God's faithfulness? That is a lot, and I think this this goes into kind of what the, the next attribute I want to talk about is, but we'll put that on hold. Um, I mean, when I think about God's faithfulness, I think about um, my salvation. So what really what really makes me rejoice in God's faithfulness, and this is going to sound weird, but it's my sin. Hmm. Because if, if, if it were anything else, anybody else, my sin... As the amount of times that I sin over and over again, there's no way anybody could be faithful to me. Yeah. Right. And my wife, she's made a covenant to be faithful to me, but she's not God. Right. Right. So there, there are things that could push her over the edge. You know, we pray that that never happens. But when we think of God's faithfulness, when He says something will take place, it takes place. When He right. says, "I love my people," it means He loves His people. When He says, "I am making a covenant with my people," it means He's making a covenant with His people. Right. And, and there's nothing that we can do that would nullify that. And that's why right. it's so important that our salvation is dependent on Christ, right. rather than on our actions or our decisions and that type of thing. Right. Right. And so the the, the idea of God's faithfulness. Now, I never want to use that as an excuse to sin. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Right? Yeah. Never. I mean, I want to use God's faithfulness as a motivation for obedience. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like, look at this great and faithful God that I serve. I want to please him. I want, I want to love him even more. And uh, if you want to, to, you know, sing about God's faithfulness in corporate worship, <laughs> you know, the Psalms are complete with, with things about God's faithfulness. It's just something to think about. Lord, our God is no, ever faithful, never changing. I don't think anybody wants to hear you sing Oh, I'm sorry. I was singing a psalm. No. I don't oh, I don't sorry. Know. No, I wasn't. Hey, hey, hey! You want to play a game? Uh, hold on. I want to. Okay. I want to. I want to break right. this out just sorry. a little bit more. Finish it up. A little, a little bit more. So there were a couple other things that I was thinking about um, when I was thinking about God's faithfulness. Um, so one, we can trust His unchanging character, mm-hmm. right? Um, we can trust that He keeps His promises. God's faithfulness is not just about um, you know our salvation. 
It's about his promise to never leave us and forsake us. It's about um, his promises that he loves us more than the sparrows, that he's watching us, that he can provide, you know, those types of things that his grace is sufficient. So when I'm at work and I'm wondering how I'm going to pay bills, you know, like I don't have to worry. I know that God's grace is sufficient to meet me in a trial. I know that he is able to provide, like he keeps promises, right? Well, I mean, even what you just said, when you're at work wondering how you're going to pay for the bills. Right. It's yeah. Like, it's like thank you God for the job that you've given me. Exactly. And you use this to provide for me because you are a faithful God and you view me higher than a sparrow. Right. right. Thank you Jesus. Right. And we know that like any good that comes from us is not coming from us. It's mm-hmm. coming from God's faithfulness. Right. That he who began a good work in you will be faithful, faithful and will carry it into completion, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then what you were saying, one of the things I was thinking about is when we're talking about attributes, we only picked a few. You know, we're actually kind of doing the opposite of simple. We're breaking, we're breaking it up, but that's not what that means. Yeah, uh, sorry, but but <laughs> that's we're. I want to say it to last. Right, but <laughs> but you know, all these things really run together. Like mm-hmm. God, God's character runs together. So His faithfulness is not disconnected from His omniscience, right? Mm-hmm. So God knows every single thing that we've ever done. He knows all the skeletons in our closet, and He knows the sin we're going to commit in the future, and yet He's not scared off by it. Right, because he's mm-hmm. faithful, because he's made the covenant. Right, mm-hmm. so like that's something that I think is really, um, really encouraging as well. And you know, it helps us to suffer well. Um, I've got all kinds of quotes here, but I'll just kind of go with one from Spurgeon that I actually didn't write down. Um, but <laughs> you know, like in suffering, right? We know that 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 God is bringing about all things for the good of those who love Him and are called according to mm-hmm. His purpose. Right, so that we may walk in righteousness. And it doesn't mean that everything's going to go well, but it means, as Spurgeon said, that I have learned to kiss the wave that has bumped me against the rock of ages, mm-hmm. or thrown me against the rock of ages, right? Um, so, like, we can just suffer well because we know that God is faithful to, to keep his promises. And, yeah. uh, you know, I've got other ones from Hudson well, I mean, Taylor. Even, and, even just the idea of suffering well, so yeah. because God has faithfully keep his promises, we have the best example for one who suffered well. Because he was keeping his promises, right? right? And that, that being Jesus, the suffering servant. Yep. And so, I mean, you, you, had, you mentioned Romans 8 and how, you know, that doesn't all mean things are good, but I think it does, right? It, it, what it means is that it is always good according to God's definition right. of good. It doesn't not mean it's always like... our definition. Yeah, you're not, you're, not, you're not swan diving into a pile of coins like right. Scrooge McDuck. Right. So, <laughs> so when, we think, when we think of things, when things get rough... Scrooge <laughs> When things get rough and we're like, God, where are you? I thought you said all things work together for the good of those who love you. I, love you. I don't feel like things are going good right now, well right now. That's when we kind of we start believing the prosperity gospel. Right. That God can only be faithful when I'm comfortable. And when I'm uncomfortable, then God's not faithful. And that's not at all the truth. But God is faithful when he keeps his promises. And exactly. He doesn't promise comfort. And here's the thing. What does he promise? He promises that those who love him need to count the cost because we will be persecuted yeah. in some way, shape, or form. Yeah. Right? So when, when you're feeling persecuted or when, you, when you're feeling stretched, count it all joy, brothers, when you face trials of many kinds because you know the testing of your faith produces perseverance. And perseverance, mm-hmm. where it's fully grown, uh, results in something. Good. I think you went to like, and when no, no, sin no. is fully grown, it no, gives no, no, birth no, no, no. to death. I, I, was, I, was, I was going for it. <laughs> you but, were. But, you know, I'm not perfect. Well, I'm like God. There's a, there's a quote that's very simple, and I think it summed it up really well, and it was from No Way Wayne. No, no way, way Wayne. No Way Wayne. He said, you God. Can't say that. That's not our thing. God's faithfulness means that God will always do what he said and, faithful, or, and fulfill what he has promised. Now we're going to play a game. 
You ready for this? Okay, we're playing a game. All right. What are we playing, Adam? You guys ever heard of Trivia Crack? Yeah, back when it was like, I don't know, 2014. I'm bringing it back. I'm bringing it back. My wife and I, we went on a date a few weeks ago. We tried to play Trivia Crack, and it wasn't as fun as it used to be. I don't know. Yeah, no, it kind of died a little bit. It definitely died. But we're going to have couples Trivia Crack. They don't want to participate. Yes, they do. They're looking at us like, no. Ladies, you're going to participate for just like a little bit. Just a little bit. You have to speak up, though. There are 12. There are there are 12 questions. Okay, here's how it's going to work. Aaron's going to answer a question. I'm going to answer a question. You're going to answer a question. You're going to answer a question. Keep track of your points. All right? Ready oh, for this? Wow. There's 12. Back to back. Real quick. Ready? Uh-huh. Am I right? going first? Yes, you okay, are. Gotcha. Okay, so you're going to answer first. Then I'm going to do one. So I get to then Mary's going to do one. No, it's uh, it, it picks it randomly. You used to be able to pick the topic. It's it's different. It's a different mode. Lame. Here we go. Here we go. Ready? Yep. Ready? Okay, mm-hmm. Aaron. Mm-hmm. Yep. Start. <laughs> All right. Wow. What snack was made by ancient, or I'm sorry, by accident, and specifically first was made for soda? Pop Rocks, Kool Aid, Cream Soda, or Dr Pepper? Dude, it's not Dr Pepper. I'm gonna say Pop Rocks. Got it right. <laughs> okay, so it's my turn. Which of the following countries was not a part of the Big Three at the meeting? To end World War One, <laughs> holy crap! Uh, Got a name of Italy, France, Britain, or USA? I know it. Italy. I know the answer to this. Italy was correct. Did you, you know? Do. Okay. All right, one to one. All right, Mary. Um, on what uh, continent would you find uh, Patagonia, Australia, Asia, Africa, or South America? I was going to say South America. South America. Correct. I didn't know what she's gonna say. <laughs> oh. <laughs> all right, um, all right, honey. Which religion is based in India? Oh come on! H- Hinduism, <laughs> Islam, Buddhism, or Christianity? Hinduism. Yeah. Wow, you gave you gave your lady the easy question. <laughs> I didn't. You might pick wipe it. the hard one. All right, Aaron. In, in English Thursday, or I'm sorry. Yeah, in English Thursday was named after which Norse god of Death, war, thunder, or sleep? Thunder. Thor's day. Okay, I'm just going to say that that question was not worded correct, but we're going to go with thunder. Got it. Ha <laughs> English Thursday. By the way, Thor Ragnarok? Lame. Oh, I'm, awful. I'm done with superhero movies. Let's see that. We've talked about that. All right, my turn. What is the antonym? Chief end of man. What is the antonym for the word frigid? Warm, oh, come on. cold, humid, or dry? We're going to go with warm. Glad I knew what answer was. <laughs> you like, look like you lost confidence. Yep. All right. Mary, sports question: Who is the new quarterback? Uh, yeah, who is the new quarterback for Mississippi that plays Why for Dallas? Why my wife the hard question? Josh Oakley, James Corden, Lucas uh, B, or Dak Prescott? The first one. You know. It's <laughs> <laughs> Dak Prescott. All right. Did you know that? Sports question, Hannah: Which active NBA player? Has the highest career points per game at twenty-seven point three. Kevin Durant, LeBron James, Steph Curry, or Carmelo Anthony. Somewhere in one of the middle two. Uh, LeBron James or Steph Curry? Okay. Kevin Durant. You guys, none of you would have got uh, that. Yeah, I didn't know it either. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Either. All right, Aaron. Uh huh. In the TV show Friends. Oh come on! <laughs> what is Phoebe's twin sister's name? Dude, I have no idea. Ursula, Rachel, Lily, or Beatrice? Beatrice. Nope, Ursula. I'm ashamed know. that I knew that. I All right. Seen the show. So stupid. 
In the game Trivia Crack, weird, what is the name of the challenge character? Andy, Rocky, Ricky, or Anthony? <laughs> I'm glad you have to get a guessing question, too. You have no idea. You're going to get this wrong. Rocky. Oh, come on! Let's go! <laughs> all right, all right. Two more questions. Um, renal failure describes the condition involving which major organ? Did you say rectal failure? Renal. Kidneys, liver, brain, or gallbladder? Kidneys. Nice. a nursing student. Nice. All right, Hannah. Who does a pediatrician or pediatrician work on? Oh, this is such Children. bogus. Oh my word. We tied. Uh, yeah. We tied because there was only two questions missed, right? Yeah, I missed one. Oh, you missed one? I didn't miss any. I missed, you guys both missed, missed one. one. Boom, we win. <laughs> Whatever. Let's go. I, I feel like this was rigged. All right, that was great. That was the best game we ever did. No, you you can never make fun of my games again because at least I put thought and effort into them. Oh, really? You pulled up an app on your phone. Really? What was the last one you did? It was pathetic. I don't remember, but I'm sure it was fantastic. Actually, no, you did a quiz. That one was good. Yeah, the one before that. Jesus, the one before that was pathetic. All right, all right. So I'm done with all my topics. What do you got? Okay, so we got immutability. Mm. Okay, so this is how again Louis Burkhoff describes immutability. He says. The immutability of God is a necessary. Con- I don't even know what that word is. Concomitant. You mean, sound like me. I'm a terrible. Dude, writer. I feel really like not good right now. <laughs> Basically, what immutability is, it's kind of like when you read things silently, you don't even like stumble over words, but then when you try to read them aloud, you just sound like a dunce. Oh, you should have seen me try like to spell omniscience earlier without spell check. So, the, the immutability of God basically says that God is unchanging. Right, so God is completely consistent. So there are a uh, a bunch of scripture references that we can go to, and we're just going to start by hitting some of them. So this is Exodus three thirteen through fourteen. So this is uh, the burning bush, right? Then Moses says uh, said to God, "If I come to the people of Israel and say to them, the God of your father has sent me to you, and they ask me, what is your name? What shall I say to them?" God said to Moses, "I am who I am." And he said, say this to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. So this idea of I am who I am is, again, just a constant, I am who I am, I never change. I is what I is. Right. <laughs> sort of. Okay. Moving on to Psalm 102, 25 through 26. I thought it was a, I am who I've always been, as in I am the like uncreated right. one. I mean, I yeah. think, and that, that gets to the point of immutability. I am who I've always been, yeah. as in I don't change. Right. Okay. So that's fair enough. Uh, Psalm 102, 25, 26. Of old, you laid the foundations of earth, and the heavens are the works of your hands. They will perish, but you will remain. They will all wear out like garments. You will change them like a robe, and they will pass away. But you are the same, and your years have no end. The children of your servants shall dwell secure. Their offspring shall be established before you. But the the idea here is you are who you've always been, right? You will not change, okay? You will never pass away. And interestingly enough, this uh, psalm is quoted in Hebrews 1 talking about Jesus. So again, we're, we're, we're ascribing what, what the psalmist is saying to God, what they're saying. They're saying the same thing about Jesus. So again, there you go. Jesus is God. So Hebrews 1, Psalm 102. Psalms are about Jesus. We should sing in worship. What? For sure. Malachi 3.6. For I, the Lord, do not change. Therefore, O children of Jacob, are not consumed. And this is really good. And I think we'll, we'll get into that in... Um, and the idea of application. And then James 1.17, For I, the Lord, do not change. Therefore, you, O children of Jacob, are not consumed. Right? So before we, we kind of get into why this one is really, really important, um, 
can you think of any reasons why people may have an issue with the idea of God not changing? I think because our hearts are depraved and well, we good. I mean, whenever we get anything wrong, it's because right. And we, we want to do what we want to do. Right. So if we see something, um, in the character of God that doesn't align with our passions, mm-hmm. then we're saying, well, that was old Testament. Okay. Yeah. I that was, consider that. Yeah. that was old Testament God. Right. He, he obviously doesn't think that like gay marriage or something is mm-hmm. wrong. Now that was just back in the day. Like he's, He's evolved with us, obviously. He just wants people to love each other because God is love. So God is loving. Again, that goes back to the simple thing. Like if we're if we're just looking at God as all love, you know, kind of thing. So I don't know. I think that's the biggest thing that I can think of. Um, yeah, no, that's, I didn't even consider. That. I think that's really good. Yeah, I, th- I mean, when I when I hear people, when I hear, whenever I've read anything of people being upset about the idea of God's impassibility, that I'm, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's just like okay, so God doesn't change. God is static; He's not moving. So they, people can feel like this goes in the face of God being a personal God, right? If God doesn't change, how can God be a personal God? How can God interact with His people and, and, and these kinds of things? And I think the key is okay. What 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 is said is God being a personal God. So knowing that God doesn't change, He's consistent in His character, doesn't mean He's not impersonal. And so. People can be upset and be like, okay, well, um, and, and let's go to a few topic or verses that people might say, okay, well, if God doesn't change, then what's with this passage? Okay, so specifically 1 Samuel 15. Okay, so this is this is after God had told Saul, I need you to go and wipe out the Amalekites, kill all the cattle, kill all the sheep, kill all the people. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, and Saul goes and he kills most of the people. He keeps all the cattle, he keeps all the, the sheep and everything, and he offers sacrifices himself. And uh, Samuel comes up to him, and this is First uh, Samuel fifteen ten through 11. The word of the Lord came to Samuel. I regret that I have made Saul hmm. king, for he has turned back from me, following me, and he has turned back from following me, and does not perform my commandments. And Samuel was angry, and he cried to the Lord all night. So, if someone, if God can regret, doesn't that mean God can change? Hmm. Right. So that's, that's the question that, that we have. And so this is, this is what we need to think. Okay. How does, how does God regret? Right. Why, why is that verbiage being used? And so let's, uh, we'll, we'll answer that, but let's go on to, um, same chapter verses 28 through 29. And Samuel said to him, so this is Samuel saying to Saul, what the Lord says, the Lord has torn the kingdom of Israel from you this day and has given it to a neighbor of yours who is better than you. And also the glory of Israel, that is another word for God, will not lie or have a regret. For he is not a man that he should have regret. So the beginning or towards the middle of the, the chapter, it says God regrets. And then towards the end, it says the glory of Israel will not lie or have regret. For he is not a man that, she, that he should have regret. So what are we to do with these passages? Because... I think this is what Kevin Young says. He's like, let's, you know, one of the big, the, the key thing that we need to realize when we're interpreting scripture is that the writers of scripture were not stupid. Right. right. <laughs> so it's not like they're just contradicting each other right after the, uh, they just written what they said. So how, how would we answer about this? And I don't want to blindside you. Or yeah. Like no, but, I, you're a sharp cookie. My, my thoughts on that have always been that 
the word regret could be translated as was grieved or mm-hmm. um, was sorry, like felt felt sorrow over what had happened. In the same way that like God knows that what we're going to do, good or bad, you know, and yet he's grieved by our own sin, you know, at the same time. It's not that it caught him off guard or that he, you know, wished he hadn't have created us, but that he was grieved by it. Um, that's all I got, though. I mean, really. Sure. I think I think it's fine. So when we think of God's sovereignty, we can say, okay, God can. Let's back up. Let's first of all say that it says that God regretted. First of all, okay, that's what right. it said. Right. And then let's also go to verse twenty nine that says, you know, He does not lie or have regret, for He is not a man that He should have regret. Right. So, is it possible for me to spank my son? Knowing that he deserves that spanking, but also regretting having to spank him. So is it, is it possible for me to have those two um, feelings at the same time? Um, yes, I guess, but is that a good parallel? I think it's a fine parallel because he, here it is, me as a finite creature, able to experience these two things saying that, okay, I regret that I have to do this. But I don't regret that I have to do this. Right. So no. You know what I mean? So you're using the word regret there as grieve. I'm I'm grieved that I have to do this, but I don't regret doing it. Right. That's what you're saying. Right. Okay. Right. And I think I think that's kind of what this passage is getting at is that God in his sovereignty has even ordained this to happen. And since yeah, God absolutely. is faithful and God is holy, he is consistent, he is immutable in all that he does. Right? So he he um he regrets I don't even know how I'm trying to say this. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm struggling through this. But this is kind of what, what John Piper has said. There's a really good article in Desiring God about this uh, passage, and he uses a similar uh, parallel. But if I, as a finite creature, can experience these two things, I regret that I have to spank my son, but I don't regret that I spank my son. Right. How much more can an infinite, un, an eternal, unchanging being experience the same thing? Right. Right. And it's not on the same parallel because it says it doesn't regret like a man regrets. Right. Right. So it's it's God using the Assyrians to punish um, Israel to bring about his plans of restoration, right? right? So that God ordains it, you know, and he doesn't regret ordaining it, but he's grieved Mm -hmm. by the sinfulness of man. Like, I will use them as a rod of anger, and yet, was it not in their heart already to do so? Was it not their desire to do so? Therefore, they are held accountable by their own actions. So God did it. Like, so God ordained that it happened. And he used it for his purposes, but he also grieved it, and he didn't regret it. But that's kind of how it's... Sure. Does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, and there's there's other passage. I think uh, Genesis 6 talks about God regretting that he made mankind, right. and so he, he sent the flood and the everything. Flood, so yeah. there's, there's just a lot of things that, that I think are, are, are interesting. But um, when it uses the term regret, I think we can say that it's anthropomorphic or anthropopathic. Before we kind of get into what those two things are... I took a hermeneutics class. That's oh. the reason why I know that. So, <laughs> like, um, like in that, like like that college look course or something? Yeah. Um, I, don't, I don't really feel like I can talk about this intelligently, but I'd love to have a discussion about it and, and bounce it off of you. Maybe we can talk about it and see where it goes. But have you heard of... Uh, yeah, we're, we're good. We're, right, we're right. Good have you heard of uh, the impassibility of God? Um, he kind of. Okay. So just just in the sense that he's not overwhelmed by emotion, in, right? In a sense. So this is uh, Katie Wise, Kevin DeYoung's uh, definition of it. He says, "By impassibility, I mean this: God cannot suffer and is incapable of being acted upon by an external force." And this also goes into what we talked about the the confession that that God is spirit um, without parts and not impassioned. 
or without passions rather. So when we think of passions, you and I can think of passion being passionate as almost a good thing. Like, oh man, that guy's really passionate about his job. Right. Or, or he's really passionate about his wife, his kids. She's really passionate about, you know, being a mother or whatever whatever it would be. Right. And I don't think that we can say that about, about God because I think when it uses the term, you know, without passions, um, we need to think of passions being like some external force that comes into you. So we, we talk about a crime of, you know, a passion of murder, right? Being overwhelmed by, by this uh, emotional feeling or right. suffering that causes you to act. Um, and we said, well, God doesn't do that. Right, God is not affected by external forces like that. That flies in the faith of, or face of His immutability, of His faithfulness, of His self-existence. Um, so, when we use the term, just going back to the term regret, we use the term regret or anything. You've got um, two figures of speech: anthropomorphic and anthropopathic. Anthropomorphic is basically, you know, ascribing human or or creation characteristics to god so think of you know god says you know i'll carry you on the wings of eagles or you're in the hands of god or the eyes of god hear, see you or the ears of god hear you those, those types of things we know that god is spirit from john 4 right so god so god it does not have a physical body so when we when we ascribe physical characteristics they're anthropomorphic and that we're we're communicating in a way that we can understand god but knowing that okay god doesn't actually have wings like eagles Right. right, and so anthropopathic would be the same thing, only it would be human emotions. So um, regret might even be one. Right. Um, anger, uh, these other things, and I don't want to say God is not angry with sin. I think that's fine, but not in a human sense. Right, you know what I mean? Because when you when you talk about like uh, anthropo or not that um, impassibility, it's it's really hard for me to get my head around it. Yeah. Because there is so much language talking about, you know, God loves his people. God is love. So let me let me see if I'm tracking with you. Sure. Would the way that you say it be that God has emotion, but he's not emotional? Meaning <laughs> Yeah, meaning meaning that like God does love and uh-huh. God does have anger. Anger is an emotion, but you know, in your anger, do not sin, right? So it's driven by His holiness. Um, so it's not a sinful anger, you know. Or mm-hmm. it's like God has these these emotions, and yet He's not um, He's not subject to them. He's not like overcome with sorrow or in such a way that is that kind of what you? I mean, that, that's kind of where my thinking is right now. But I'm I don't want to come down on it either way because. As I was like, okay, I want to talk about the impassibility of God, and I started studying it more. I'm like, eh, okay, <laughs> I don't know what I'm talking about. So I, I'm glad you chose it, man. I'm is, glad you chose this topic. Well, I think it's interesting, and I wanted to talk to you about it, and I figure this is, you know, a decent venue to, to do it. Yeah, uh, I got nothing to contribute. But, <laughs> That's but it. when you when you think about the impassibility of God, God not experiencing human emotions, I think it's really important, and I think that having this doctrine highlights the incarnation Mm. right because what you know god became flesh you know so jesus completely god completely human experiences all these human emotions all these sufferings all these i hesitate to use the word passions um but i mean maybe we could say passions with self-control because it's it's not like like jesus sinned 
because he was overwhelmed with anger. There's multiple times where it says Jesus is angry. You know, you think right. of the whip in the temple. You, you think of Jesus healing on the Sabbath. And the Pharisees were like, what are you doing? And he says God was angry with them or Jesus right. was angry with them. So that is not anthropopathic more, or language. That That's human emotion that, that, that Jesus is, is feeling. So it's kind of like knowing that God is impassable, that, that God is without passions or not overwhelmed by emotion. I think highlights the incarnation and makes the incarnation that much more important hmm. because God wanting to um, identify with his people. You know, we talked about union with Christ yeah. uh, last week or last cast. Um, I think the incarnation and the impassibility go really, really well together. Because yeah. we don't have a God who is, una- or a high priest who is unable right. to sympathize with us. Right. right. So, so yeah. Hebrews 4. So that's, that's kind of where I'm thinking. And I just want to get your thoughts on it. And, I I don't have thoughts. Okay. You you have what I have. I'm sorry. Okay. Yeah. I'll I'll work on it. Huh. I yeah. don't know. That's uh. I'm a terrible podcast husband. <laughs> okay. Okay. I'm, so, I'm sorry. I, okay. I keep just ripping them off, man. That's like the third okay. time today I've ripped them yeah, off. Yeah. Seriously. You want to at least like give them a shout out? For yeah. 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 Doctrine and Devotion. One of my like 50 podcasts I listen to. You said really 35. Great. You keep exaggerating the number. I'll count and I'll text you okay. later. All right. Hey, you want to do uh, attributes of scripture next week? Um, or next I, time? I don't know. Say yes. Yes. Say yes. Even though we probably won't, but yes. Oh, no. We, I mean, yes, we will. I don't even know what that means. The attributes of scripture? Yeah. What are you talking about? Okay, dude, you get your work cut out for you. It'll be fun. Okay. I'm looking for, I look forward to all the things that we get to learn. Oh, all right. It's, Man, it's, you're going to make me fun. work. I have so much going on. That's all right. Hey, before we close out, uh-huh. do you have another thing? No, no, no I'm good. Yeah. I'll okay. Let me read one last thing. <clears throat> In honor of... Uh, Dr. Ravi Zacharias, who came to, to our church over the weekend, I wanted to read a quote of his. Can you do thought. it in an Indian accent? I can't. Okay, that's, I, that's good. It would, be, it, would be, it would be very <laughs> offensive. Uh, here we go. It says, um, When God is our Holy Father, sovereignty, holiness, omniscience, and immutability do not terrify us. They leave us full of awe and gratitude. Sovereignty is only tyrannical if it is unbound by goodness. Holiness is only terrifying if it is untempered by grace. Omniscience is only taunting if it is unaccompanied by mercy. And immutability is only torturous if there is no guarantee of goodwill. Very good. They all work together, man. They all they all work together. So, uh, that is episode 17. Guys, if you would uh, like our uh, page, review us on uh, iTunes or whatever podcast catcher that you use. Um, share this with your friends if you like it. If you don't like it, share it anyways and say, look at these jokes. And you can make fun of us together as uh, we discuss Jesus. And hopefully that will be like, oh, they're talking about Jesus. I need to repent for mocking my uh, yeah. brothers in Christ. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's all. Cool. Remember, guys, every Joe Schmo can grow some bones. Peace. Peace.